0: All right, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Anthony. I'm the only bald pastor on staff here at Orchard Row. It's pretty, pretty much all you need to know about me. That's the bio, that's the whole thing. Um, it's been a while since I've been up here. Um, last time I spoke, I issued a challenge at the end of the message. I said, Listen, after service, why don't you just go to somebody, talk to them, get to know them? You've probably been sitting next to them for years, and you've never taken the chance to get to know them. And I said, ask him to go to lunch. And I just sacrificed and said, look, you could take my family out to lunch. And I, I threw out the idea of Cheesecake Factory. And I just, that was June. Not one person in this church has even so much as mentioned Cheesecake Factory to my family. So I'm not bitter. I'm just saying... It's Christmas. Um, we should be a little more grateful for what we have, all right? Um, Thanksgiving, how'd everybody do? Everybody, anybody still full from Thanksgiving? Like, who's had leftovers for days? Like, you're figuring out, like, stuffing casserole and stuffing and eggs and turkey fajitas. I don't know what you guys are doing to stretch out the... Uh, uh, how many had really awkward family encounters? I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand on that one. Don't do it. Do not raise your hand on that. The cool thing, I like Thanksgiving because it's one of those times of year. Sometimes it's the only time of year we intentionally, as a group, decide to stop and be grateful. I think that's a good practice. I think it's a good tradition that we have, that we stop and reflect with our families, with our friends, with our churches, with our communities, just to say thank you, just to realize what it is that we're grateful for. Frankly, I think it's something that we should do more often, but every year we get together with our families, we sit down, we have a meal, and then at 2 p.m. we get to JCPenney because they open the door and the doorbuster sales are going, and we got to buy, we got to buy. We're thankful. I'm just so... Oh, what time is it? Oh, yeah. All right, greed. Let's go. I'm just kidding. If you went doorbuster shopping this weekend... Don't feel bad. That's fine. It's totally cool. But I just love that we stop for a minute, we slow down the noise, and we just reflect on what it means to be grateful. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. For some people, gratitude just comes naturally. You probably know people, you might be that person. It just seems like no matter what, they're grateful. They just, they look at life in a different way than other people. And they reflect and they stop and they breathe and they say, thank you a lot. Um, for some people, it's hard to do. I remember I worked with this guy. He was probably 97 years old. I don't know how old he was, but he would not stop working. And every time I walked up to this guy, called him Old Man Joe, he'd say, hey, you old rattlesnake, how are you? And we'd, we'd just chat for a minute. And no matter what, it never failed. He would be great. He would just tell a story. I'm doing great. I'm, I, I remember walking up to him one time. He had a bandage on his head a bruise under his eye, a cut on his lip. And I'm like, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Never been better. And I'm like, okay, all right. Like, this is the kind of guy you could, this is just to give you an example. Like, you could hit him with your car, right? Run over and he would say, oh, that was a really good hit. <laughs> what kind of car is that? That's a nice car. Like, he would find something in whatever you threw at him to be grateful for. For some of us, it's harder to be grateful It's harder to stop and look in and figure things out. And I think part of that is because probably now more than ever, we are distracted. We're distracted people. We've got stuff coming in our brains at any given point. And we do this to ourselves through our phones and through social media. There's nothing inherently wrong with these things. But a lot of times we find ourselves... I mean, we were driving, my wife and I yesterday were driving, and we counted the amount of people who, at a stoplight or just at a, a pause in traffic, immediately pulled out their phone and started scrolling. That's just kind of how we are as a society now. We, we very rarely slow down and just live. We're always going. We're always turning it on. And I'm not that old, but I remember a time when the news used to go off after 11. But now we live in a society where there's a 24-hour news cycle, whether it's on your phone or your television, the internet, wherever you go, you can find news streaming at any point in time. And so we never stop. We, I think we're more distracted than ever, and being distracted makes it hard to focus in on gratitude. Being distracted, because here's what happens when we're doing this. Think about if you're scrolling through your phone or you're constantly looking at the news. For good or for bad, someone else is telling you what to think at any given point. In that moment, it's no longer your thoughts. We used to drift. We used to daydream. But now all of the time, someone else Is telling us what our next thought should be, what our next focus should be, what we should be looking towards, or what we should be worried about, or how we should be concerned. I mean, you turn on the news nowadays, and it's like, to tease you to stay up for the 11 o'clock news, it's like, five reasons why your dishwasher might blow up tonight at 11. You're like, wait, What? Like, I I didn't realize dishwashers had a problem. And so we're like, oh, I got to stay. So it's giving us something to think about, something to focus on, something to worry about at all times. And so we very rarely stop and focus. But this is the point I want to make this morning. Gratitude is a practice. And we can all, everybody in this room, no matter where we find ourselves on the spectrum of gratitude, we can get better. Every single person in this room can be more grateful. And we can start today. We can start right now, this morning. So I want to take us to a passage in Scripture. It's in the middle of uh, what we know as the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. And it's, uh, it's found in the book of Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus is just going through a, a, an insane amount of content, telling people how to live and where to put their focus. And he gets to this section, and he's really talking about anxiety, and he's talking about what to do with that anxiety and where it's placed and should it be placed there. And so the, the section that we're going to go to is Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to start with verse 25. For many of you in this room, this will be a familiar passage. 6.25 says this. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food? And your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And we instinctively know the answer to that. Of course they can. And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Truth of the matter is, we could do an entire series on just this passage of Scripture alone. We could pick apart all the nuances. There are so many threads that you can pull out of this passage that we could be on here for eight weeks easily and not cover all the material. But here's what I want to do this morning. I'm just going to skim the surface Uh, because we can dig into what it means to have faith. What it means to trust in the provision of God and what that would look like to lean all of our trust and our concern into the provision and care of God. And we could talk about what it would look like to have a a rich life of faith. He talks about serving the kingdom and putting God's kingdom, God's mission in the front of our minds and putting everything else secondarily. We could unpack all of that, but I just want to skim something off the top this morning because I think if we can just get this little nugget, all of us will improve and increase and develop gratitude in our lives. First, I think we have to pause at the start of this and realize how hard it is for many of us in this room to even sit in the context of this passage. Jesus is talking to a group of people, in, in many cases, who are impoverished, who are literally worried about what they're going to eat. Their clothes may be threadbare, and they're living under the, the oppression of a rulership that is not too kind to them. So sometimes when we read this passage, we start to go into our own concerns and worries, and that's understandable, but I think it's important that we pause just for a second and realize that these people were dealing with incredible poverty, incredible struggle, treated like animals in many cases, and the oppression and the tyranny of of their overlords, for lack of a better term. And so Jesus is digging into something that's very real and very hard. I I mean, think about this. It says, why worry about your clothing? For a lot of us in this room, this is what our clothing worry looks like. Man, I wore that shirt yesterday. Uh-uh, can't No, that one, I don't really like that one. doesn't match. I don't even know why I bought that shirt. Oh, this one still has the tag on. I got to wash that one. Is this my shirt? Whose shirt is this? When did I get this shirt? And you go through your clothes. That's our clothing worry for a lot of us, right? A lot of us are straight. We don't know what to wear. I, I don't know. I just, nothing feels right today. Nothing fits right. So it's hard for us to get ourselves in the middle of this passage and really understand the meat of it. Or for food. Many of us aren't worried after we leave this service this morning what we're going to eat. It's, it's mostly like, do we take Anthony's family to Cheesecake Factory? Or do we, <laughs> you know what I mean? These are the kind of worries that a lot of us, are encountering this morning. So I think what the the easy thing that we can do right from the outset is to really see how privileged a lot of us are in this room right now. How much without even thinking too hard we really have to be grateful for just on that information alone. But then I want to do something else. Jesus is taking their attention off the past. He's saying, you know, you don't worry about what happened yesterday and he's taking their focus off of the scary future, what could happen, the what ifs, the maybes. And he's keeping their attention, he's keeping their focus right in the here and in the now. And he says these things in other translations. He says, "Behold the birds." He says, "Consider the lilies." A lot of us in our, in our daily life in modernity here, if we, if we translate this passage to where we live today, a lot of us are so busy getting from A to B, I've got to get to work, I've got to take the kids here, I've got to get this done, I've got my to-do list, I've got all this shopping stuff I have to do for Christmas that st- some of us don't stop, many of us don't stop and even realize the beauty of the world passing by us. The chirping of the birds, the flowers, the leaves changing and falling, the beauty of the ecosystem that we are a part of. And so we could stop there for a minute and just reflect and just breathe and just, and just think about it. But I know probably what some of us are thinking. Some of us, especially if right now we're in rough situations and things are hard and, and we're struggling. And we see a passage like this from Jesus who says, look at the birds. They're not freaking out. And you go, and this is what you're thinking to yourself. You're thinking, yeah, because they don't get it. They're birds. (laughs) Like, this is easy. They don't get it. And and here's what I want to say to that. Exactly. That is the point. There is beauty to be mined from that reality right there, from that understanding that birds, they just don't get it. Flowers, they're not tripping out about it. They're not worried about it. Here's the cool thing. Birds, to some people, are beautiful creatures. Full disclosure, I do not like birds. (laughs) Terrified. I don't care if it's a goose or a, a tiny little one of those that hang out by your picnic table. No, thank you. I don't want anything to do with it. Don't come around me. But for the sake of this sermon, birds are beautiful creatures. Have you ever seen a bird build a nest? Over the summer, uh, underneath our deck, um, we saw birds flying in and out. And, of course, I'm having a panic attack because the kids want to go by. And I'm like, no. And then I'm like, oh, don't give them your fear, Anthony. Stop. And eventually the nest, there was a nest under there. And, and when the birds hatched and they flew away to make more birds and pollute the earth more with birds, the nest <laughs> fell to the ground. And my wife picked it up and she runs a daycare. So, you know, after a little while and after she kind of cleaned it up a little bit, she was showing the daycare kids kind of the craftsmanship of a nest. And it's really a fascinating thing if you get close to a nest and actually see that for hours and days... A bird will land and fly and land and fly, and they're picking up twigs and dirt and scratching together things to pull together this nest for safety and, and, and to nourish their babies. And, and it's, it's, it's fascinating, and it's beautiful, and it's awesome. And, and I would say this, birds are creative, they just don't realize it. And here's the unique relationship that we human beings have to this planet. Here's the unique relationship that we have. We can see that and we can stand back and appreciate it. We human beings have the ability to take a couple steps back and see the beauty. We write poetry. We write music. We make films about stuff like that. Birds are just doing what comes instinctively to them while we get to stand back and reflect and appreciate their work. This is why we need artists. This is why we need music. This is why we need film because what it helps us do is to snap into focus on the beauty that we pass by at any given moment. You ever read a poem that made you cry and it was just talking about blades of grass and flowers You hear a song just about the color in someone's eyes. And then you have to stop and go, I don't even know if I know my spouse's eye color. And so you you reflect and you dive in a little bit deeper. See, birds don't understand what's happening around them. The beauty that they're a part of. And the flowers, they just grow because that's what flowers do. But we have the unique ability to appreciate that. We have the unique ability to understand it. So Jesus says to this group of people, and he would say to us today, learn from your past. Prepare for the future. This isn't about laziness and just saying, you know what, I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to trust you know, put it in God's hands. And then you're like, you don't go to work anymore because God's going to provide you with money. And then your boss fires you and you don't have money. And You're like, but God, you were going to provide for me. And God's like, I already did. And it's not about giving up and being foolish. We need to learn from the things in our past, the mistakes, the successes. And we need to prepare ourselves for the future to come. But here's the, here's the key Jesus is getting at. Focus your attention right this moment. If you listen, you'll hear the birds chirping. And it will trigger appreciation. It will trigger the fact that we get to be a part of something amazing every moment of every day. What I'm really getting at this morning is that life, at least the life worth living, is about savoring. See, we understand the importance of gratitude when it's missing from someone else's life, but sometimes it's hard to see in the mirror. The other night, Tanya was away, and so I was going to make the kids dinner, and I almost phoned it in. I almost got in the cupboard and got the Kraft mac and cheese. Listen, nothing's wrong with Kraft mac and cheese, but something. I, I opened the cupboard, and I saw some noodles, and I was like, man, what if I just made them like a, a legitimate dinner? And so I got the noodles out, <laughs> and I got onions out not like they weren't pre-sliced they were like it was like a whole onion i got that out mushrooms those weren't sliced either i'm like yes i can do this i got organic grass-fed butter out of the fridge i got cream out i got it all set up and the kids are like dad what's going on i'm like go play and i and i I started chopping up the onions and I chopped up the mushrooms and I put the organic grass fed butter in the pan and I heated it up. And when it melted, I threw the onions in because you're sauteing them and you want them to get brown. Right. Are you with me? Can you smell it? All right. And so I threw the mushrooms in and then shortly thereafter, once they browned up nice, I put the cream in and I took the noodles and I folded them. You don't just dump noodles. If you're a chef, you fold the noodles. So I folded these noodles, and it was it was majestic. I tasted. I'm like, man, this is actually good. Salted it with like kosher salt because it's thick and it looks cool when you do that with it. Heated up some broccoli. That's the only thing I called on the microwave for was broccoli. And I put it in the plate, and the kids ran to the table, and they, I mean, they couldn't stop eating it. They just shoveled it as soon as it was gone from their plate. Papa, can I have more? And No, that, none of that happened. Here's what really happened. Here's what really happened. This is, this is what actually happened. They only ate the broccoli, the one thing I microwaved. (laughs) Tanya gets home and she's like, It smells amazing in here. I'm like, I know. And the kids did not appreciate what was right in front of them. And I wanted to be angry. I wanted to be mad. Because the truth is they would have devoured the Kraft Mac and Cheese. And they just did not have the palates. They did not have the maturity. They did not have the gratefulness to see what their father has done for them. But come on. That's okay. You can clap for that. That's okay. That's fine. But I stopped, I was going to, they were all grounded for a second there, but I stopped and I thought about the, the, God, the hundreds of meals my mom must have prepared for me that I nibbled around and then disappeared and snuck a cookie or something. And I thought, they just don't have the category yet. They just don't have the understanding to go, man, dad took his time on this. Dad put his effort into this. There's more to this than just the hot food in front of me. This was a process. This was an experience. And so we can recognize that in other people, but it's hard to see that in the mirror. So I want to ask you this morning, are you stopping to savor your life? Are you stopping to savor your experiences? Are you stopping to smell the flowers, so to speak? To listen to the birds chirp and realize what we get to be a part of. How many of you in this room like coffee? Mmm. Man, that's all you have to do is talk about food. And you get, this church turns Pentecostal. That's what I'm talking about. So, can I get an amen? amen? Can I get a hallelujah? All right. All right. All right. All right. Baby steps. Baby steps. So... The thing about coffee is this, and I don't know this other than the internet, but it takes two to six months for the seed alone to germinate. It takes four to five years before coffee cherries, did you know they're cherries for their beans? You just learned something in church this morning. Before they're ready to harvest, and this is done by hand, and it's laborious, it's taxing work. Then after that, there's processing and milling, and there's tasting and testing, and then it's roasted. And then after that, it goes to the grinding process. And once that's right, then it's brewed, and then it makes its way to your cup. But a lot of times, we're just on our way to work. We're just rushing to get through. We're just rushing. Some of you guys slammed into the parking lot this morning. The first thing you did was beeline to that coffee, got some of that Traverse City cherry coffee, and ran here, and most of us did not stop to think about the entire process that happened. All that had to conspire for you to have a cup of coffee this morning. What I'm saying is what would happen if every now and again we hit the pause button, we slowed down a little bit, just to think about about that. If you just really savored a cup of coffee and thought about all that went into it, you would appreciate it more. Imagine what would happen if we started applying that to every area of our life. Some of us in this room are doing fine. In fact, we're doing great. We don't have any real main problems to complain about. Some of us in this room have simply just forgotten to show up to our lives. We've forgotten to to be fully present in any given moment we find ourselves in. And what that forgetfulness does, it slowly begins to wear on our gratitude. Because we get our nose to the grind and we get busy and we have objectives and things we need to do. And so it's hard to just stop. There's nothing incredibly wrong with you. But you just you just know inside that you want something more. And I would, probably, I would say that that's probably what you need is gratitude. There's some people in this room who are overflowing with gratitude. There's a couple in this church that every chance I get... On Sunday morning, I make my way to them because I know that their gratitude is going to spill over their life and it's going to splash onto mine. And every time I walk away from a conversation with them, I feel more grateful about my own life. I feel more grateful about the things I have. If you are one of those people in this room, we need your voice. We don't need you to shove gratefulness down our throats. And beat it over our heads. We just, just let it overflow. Because gratitude is contagious. And we could all use a little bit more. But some of us in this room are going through incredibly difficult and trying times. Some of us in this room, maybe it doesn't show on our face. Maybe it doesn't show in our demeanor. But inside we are feeling worn down, we are feeling broken, we are feeling hurt, we're feeling empty. I want to acknowledge you this morning. And I want to say that it would be very easy for me to stand up here and say, look at the bright side of your life. But the truth of the matter is, sometimes there isn't a bright side. Sometimes both sides are dark and bleak. What I want to say to you this morning is, lean in as best you can and look for the glimmer look for the speck of light that is shining because i promise you it's there and sometimes all you'll see is that speck for a while and sometimes all you'll see is that glimmer but sometimes that's all you need my mom passed away a few years ago with cancer And she had been on an ongoing battle back and forth with cancer for about four years in total when it was all said and done. But somewhere along her journey, she heard a message also found in in the book of Matthew talking about two sparrows being sold for a penny, and yet when one of those birds falls from the tree and dies, God knows and God cares. And that passage goes on to say, how much more does God care for you? And so, from that moment on, whenever my mom would see a penny on the ground, she'd get in her car to sit down and a penny would be sitting on her her driver's seat. She would pick the penny up and she would, honestly, I saw her do this. Not for show, not for anything else, but it, it triggered something inside of her and she would pick that penny up and she would just say, thank you, God. Something so small, something so insignificant that most of us wouldn't even take the time to stoop down and pick up. When my mom saw it because she'd been given new eyes, she'd been given a fresh vision, she had, been, she had honed her attention in. And that filled her with gratitude every time, seeing a penny. It reminds me of a, uh, of a reading that we did on Wednesday night at our Thanksgiving service. And I want to read that this morning. They're going to put it up on the screen. It's from a lady by the name of Melody Beatty. It says, Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos to order, confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal Into a feast, a house into a home, a stranger into a friend. Gratitude makes sense of our past, it brings peace for today, and it creates a vision for tomorrow. Isn't that good? And it's, it's good on its own. It stands out. If, if you don't know anything else about that, the, the woman who penned those words, the quote stands alone to just hit us in the chest with a sense of gratitude. But just really quick this morning, a little bit of her backstory. When she was four years old, she was kidnapped. Luckily, she was found. She was returned return, home, but returning home wasn't ideal. She suffered years of sexual abuse, she started drinking at the age of 12. By 13, She was a full-blown alcoholic. She fought that for many years, and when she went through the steps to recovery, she found a husband who had also recovered from alcohol, and she was happily married, and they had two kids, but later found out that he had been deeper into his alcoholism than ever before, and he had hidden it from her. Subsequently from that, their marriage fell apart, and as a result of the marriage falling apart, financially, she fell apart and as she began to pick up the scraps of her life and get better, at the age of 12, her son, one of her her children, was skiing and got into an accident and died. She went on, she survived, she kept going. She's written 15 books and hundreds of articles. She's been featured on Oprah, she's been in Time Magazine. She's an accomplished person by anybody's measuring stick. But here's the thing, when you know her backstory and then you read those words, She's lived that. That's not just poetry. That's not just flippant. That's not just something that you can just scribble down on a page and no, all. That's a nice sentiment. She knows the importance. She knows the value. She knows the beauty of gratitude. So, what I want to say this morning is behold the birds, smell the coffee, pick up the pennies in your life. Because this is how we practice. This is how we develop. This is how we build a life of gratitude. Do you want to be more kind? Don't focus on being a kind person. Focus on being grateful. You want to be more generous? Don't just kick yourself in the pants and say, come on, you got to give more. Look at, look at your life and see who is given to you. And as you do that, as you reflect on those things, you will naturally become a more generous person. You want to forgive Are you holding tight to resentment and anger? Consider the ways in which you have been forgiven. And I'm willing to bet that over time, that grip you have on that anger starts to open up. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. Behold the birds, smell the coffee, pick up the pennies.